For those of you who are new, what we uh, what we do here at church is we worship Jesus, you know, and we we connect with each other. We talk a little bit, and then we study the Word of God, and we study it pretty, I don't know, pretty intensely. I think I've been to some churches, and it's it's kind of lighter on the on the on the meat side. It's kind of a little lighter. Uh, and then sometimes it goes really long, but uh, we try to be on that more in-depth side of Scripture study um, because we believe that in Scripture is everything that we need for life and godliness, like it says. So I'm very excited to be able to study the Word with you guys. And um, we are, like I said, in Second Kings chapter 4 is where we're going to be at today. Right now, we are going through a series of... Um, um, we're not going to study the whole book of Second Kings right now, but we're just going through the miracles of Elisha. We're looking at the, the different ways that Elisha was used. So just to review, um, Elijah came when? Before. before Elisha. All right, he came before. And who did Elijah picture for us? Jesus, right. He pictured Jesus. And Elisha came after Elijah, and he pictures who? Thus, the church, exactly, the church. The, Elisha walked around with Elijah for like 10 years just learning his ways before Elisha could be used. And Elijah was taken away up into heaven with the um, fire tornado, you know, with the, the chariots of fire and all that. It was quite exciting. Um, but nevertheless, he was, this is all messing me up here. Um, he was taken up into heaven. And, and, and it might have seemed weird to Elisha because Elijah was the guy who did all the miracles and he was, he was the guy going to war against evil and, and uh, he, was, he was maybe bummed out that, that Elisha, Elijah wasn't there anymore. And like us, we get disappointed when Jesus went off up into heaven and he leaves us here. But these miracles, they show us how God wants to use us during the time we live in to do the same things that Elijah or that our Jesus, our master did. It, we do the same things. And these miracles, they teach us how this all happens. So with just that as kind of a little review, we're going to pray and we're going to see what the Lord has for us today with the miracle that we're going to talk about today, the child being raised from the dead. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we come to you. You are our master. You uh, did go up into heaven, and we can't see you. But Lord, you gave us your word so that we could walk with you, and we could learn your ways and learn your heart. And Jesus, we can be used by you in the world that we live in today. And I just pray that you would help us to understand, not with our, our mind, but with our heart. Even if people don't understand the words I say today, I pray that their heart would be changed. I pray, Jesus, that you would come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We know and believe that you answer our prayers, and so we make this prayer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The more God is trusted, the more he is honored. The more God is trusted, the more he is honored. We do not grow out of trusting God. We simply enter into deeper levels of faith. And so faith, it's like a, the, the, the roots of a tree 
that they get deeper and wider and deeper and wider. Anyone ever have a tree planted in their yard that eventually tore up their driveway? Because the roots got bigger. Yeah, that happened to you? All right. All the way into your living room? Oh, my gosh. So trees, they don't care what's there. They will bust through whatever's there, concrete, hard. And, and their roots, they grow in the winter. They grow in the summer. They don't care what the circumstances are. They don't care what's going on around them. They will grow and grow deeper and wider. And that is a picture of our faith that grows stronger year after year after year of walking with Jesus. And the foundation of this faith, the dirt that these roots grow in, is God's work and not ours. It's what he did on the cross and not ours. It's his character and not ours. Our roots don't grow by learning how wonderful we are. Our roots grow when we learn how faithful he is, when we trust him. That's how our roots grow. I'm going to read a verse to you to begin us out from the book of Romans. And you guys know this verse, but it says, The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. He doesn't go back on his promises. This verse, it teaches us, it goes back to a part of God's character that we need to know and understand is that he doesn't lie. And all of us would say, yeah, I know God doesn't lie. But we, we still struggle to believe it. But he says here, the gifts and the callings of God, he doesn't regret getting into a lifelong commitment with you. He's never regretted it. Even when you failed in the most horrible ways, even when you denied him, even when you petered it. You remember what Peter did, right? Denied the Lord three times, okay? Even when you peter it, he still loves you and he doesn't regret getting into this. So we can't doubt him. We can't doubt that. That's what faith is. It's his character. It's not going to change. He's never going to say, oh, I'm tired of you today, which maybe has happened to you. Ever have a friend just say, I'm done with you. I'm tired with you. Maybe it was a relationship, and that, that hurts so badly, doesn't it? It hurts more than anything when someone says, I don't want to be with you anymore. And so what we do is we think, I don't want that to happen with God. And we struggle with that. And we live our life carefully at a distance from him because we don't want to get hurt. It's hard for us to believe that he will never do that. Does anyone have Jeremiah 29.11 memorized? Someone tell it. To give you a future and a hope. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to bless you, to give you a future and a hope. I am planning for your life, and I love you. To believe that he loves you is called faith. That's a real big thing for us. In Hebrews 11, uh, we have this part of the Bible called the Hall of Faith, 
just kind of help you remember it. But it, it recounts all the stories of the different people who lived by faith and who walked by faith. And it goes through all these stories, and then it just kind of gets into some miscellaneous ones. You know, it talks about Abraham and Enoch and Isaac and Jacob, and it goes through the history of Israel, different people that walked by faith, and then it just gets into these random ones. And in, in verse 35, it says, real simply, women received their dead raised to life again. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And what we're going to study today is when that happened. And it only happened twice in the whole Old Testament. Once was with Elijah, and the other time was with Elisha, what we're going to read about today. So, and what we're going to learn today from this miracle, here's the lesson I'm going to tell you before I even teach it to you, to walk by faith. We're going to learn how to walk by faith. You can only see if someone's walking by faith when bad things happen in their life. You can only see if someone's walking by faith when bad things happen in their life. Even Satan knows this. You remember that he, asked, he, he was talking to God and about Job? And he said, he only trusts you because you only let good things happen to him. If you let bad things happen to him, he'll curse you to your face. Isn't that what Satan said? Well, he might have just said that about you. <laughs> but God knew Job's heart. And no one, even Satan, didn't know that Job trusted the Lord until bad things happened. And I want you to remember this first thing I said. The more God is trusted, the more he is honored. The more God is trusted, the more he is honored. You will be tested because you trust in the Lord. Not so that you trust in the Lord. You are going to be tested because you trust in the Lord. So, are you saying that if I follow Jesus, bad things are going to happen to me? Yes. Yes, I am. Well, I don't want bad things to happen. Then don't follow Jesus. It's as simple as that. He will give you opportunities to let your faith shine, to let your faith grow. And if you don't want it, you don't have to have it. And there's many who choose that path. The more God is trusted, the more he is honored. And there are many who dishonor God by saying, I'm not going to go through trials for him. No, I'm an American. I have the right to live happy. I have the right to have what I want and do what I want. I am not going to let some God tell me that bad things are going to happen to me. I'm certainly going to trust him if bad things do happen to me because God only shows his love by letting nice things happen to me. I'm being sarcastic. If you didn't know, that's not biblically accurate. We serve God no matter what, even when the bad things happen, right? Right. You will be tested because you trust in the Lord, not so that you trust in the Lord. And in these tests that we go through, we are to humbly trust the Lord and bring our need and our problem to him and count on I'm going to say that word again. Count on 
his almighty power and goodness. You've got to believe and count on the fact that he loves you and he's powerful. Even you, Nathan. Even you. I know you were surprised, but you're like, oh, I can believe that, yes. All right, so let's get into our text here. We're in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 17. It's where we start. And, it, and we're kind of linking this together with the study from last week. It said, The woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. Remember, this woman had never asked for a child. She was just serving the Lord. She built Elisha a room in her house. And Elisha's like, what can, what can God do to bless you? And, and God blessed her with this child. God gave her a supernatural gift of life. And we need to remember that the gifts and callings of God are what? Irrevocable. Irrevocable. The word that she was told, she was told a word from Elisha. He gave her the word to hang on to, and the word came true. And that gives us a quick lesson that you can always trust what the word says. You can always trust this. If you are reading this and you, you have a strong conviction in your heart that it's for you and it's true, you can trust this. You can trust the word to lead you and guide you. Now we fast forward to the test of her faith because our faith will always be tested. Our faith was born at the word. When the word told us something, we, we, we said, I'm going to believe that. Then it, it's going to be tested. God's going to allow some struggle in so that your root, you know what trees get the best roots? Trees that grow in the harshest environments have the deepest roots and the strongest ability to withstand circumstances. God is doing that in our lives. So it says, as the child grew, now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So, the ser- so he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on his, her knees until noon, then he died. Wow. Wow, interesting. This day started out like any other. This little boy, he's a little boy, just barely able to talk. He wasn't even able to say what was really wrong with him except, my head, my head. And, you know, he goes out and he's excited to be with his dad. He's got energy and excitement. The day started out like any other day for a little kid. And little did he know he'd be dead by noon. Little did anyone know that he would be dead by noon. But notice that as he was brought to his mom, she loved him. She kept him on her lap and she, she comforted him and then he died. She loved him. But I want you to also notice that she did not make an idol of him. This woman is great. She's fantastic and she's going to teach us how to live by faith. She doesn't make an idol of him. So here's what happens. God gave her this child and did she love this child? Yeah, she loved him, and, and, and he dies. And so, yes, there is grief and there is sorrow, but her eyes are on the Lord the whole time. I want you to see this as we read this. Her eyes never are like normal people. 
Her eyes are on the Lord. She's living by faith. She truly believes from the very moment that he's placed in her lap and gets sick and then dies, from the moment it starts, she believes that this is just a test of her faith. And that belief, that understanding helps so much when when she encounters various trials along the way. When she believes this is just a test. So I want you guys to translate this into your life and I want you to think of anything that's happening in your life right now and say, this is just a test of my faith. This is just a test of my faith. Am I going to trust the Lord or am I going to trust something else? If she would have made him an idol, she would have been too distraught when he's taken away to seek the Lord. She would have been too, I can't seek the Lord right now. I'm so sad about what's happened. I'm sorrowing. And that's what idolatry does. It keeps us from God. God is to be sought, especially when you have a great need, especially when something bad happens. He is to be sought out. He is there waiting, saying, come to me, come to me. I have grace for you. I have power for you. I have love for you. But if you idolize something, you will not go to God. You'll say, I can't go to him right now. I'm just too sad. I'm just too broke. I have to, this is not fair. I'm so sad about my, and you'll have this grief that is inconsolable and it will keep you from God. The correct grief is grief that you pour out your grief to the Lord and with the Lord. It doesn't keep you from the Lord. Does that make sense? And that's a really hard thing to tell someone who's going through a grief process. You have to tell them now before they go through the grief process. So they're, as they're going through it, the Lord can remind them of this truth. Hey, draw near to me. Even now, when it seems hard, when it's impossible, draw near to me now. Idolatry shields your eyes from the one who loves you and can help you. See, if she, if she would have idolized her child, she would have been busy with many other things besides what we're going to see that she does. And you can identify the idolatry in your life by what you can't or won't surrender to the Lord. What you believe you can't live without. That's an idol. From this point on, we're going to see that this woman truly believes that this is a test of her faith. Every moment, she, everything she does is going to show us her faith and how determined it is. And it's, it, we're going to see that her faith turns into actions. So everything she does right now is going to show us her faith because faith without works is Dead. Have you ever wondered what that means? It means you're supposed to live and make your decisions based on faith. It's not the works that save. It's the faith that actually does things. Faith, will sh- you will do things if you have faith in God's goodness and on his love. Many would say that right now God is unfair. Why would God give her this child and then take it away? Such a mean God. Such a meany face. But her heart is a heart of faith. And she doesn't see it that way. 
She sees it as a test of her faith. And yes, the Lord's works and the things he does do seem very strange to us sometimes. People die, loved ones get taken away. And how are we supposed to handle these things? What we're going to learn today is by faith. Faith is how we're supposed to handle them. If you have faith, you will have victory. Does that mean your loved ones will come back to life? Not always. But you will have victory. Victory. Satan is skilled at turning our thoughts and these tests into reasons to hate God. How many people have you met that said, I hate God because of the things I went through, the hard things I went through? They doubt his goodness. They doubt his goodness. That's where faith is. It's in his goodness. So it says here that she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and she shut the door and went out. It does not say she went and planned a funeral. That's the logical thing to do. That shows acceptance. But she's not living by acceptance. She's not living by logic. She's living by Faith, exactly. She does not plan. She does not sorrow as an unbeliever would. She knows and she shows that she trusts the word of God. The word that the representative God had given her said that she would have a son. She lays that boy on his bed. He's the one who said it. So she takes the boy on that bed and and she doesn't despair. She has faith. God's help or God's grace is is a real thing. And as believers, we are given difficult trials to prove how real and sufficient His grace is to those people that are watching us. So another reason why we go through hard trials is to prove that God's help is real to the people that are watching you. I see you going through that trial. I see that you have cancer. I see that you have just got fired. I see that you're struggling I'm watching you to see if you're going to live by faith and if God's going to meet your needs like you think and you say that he is. So then it says, then she called to her husband and said, please send one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he says, why are you going to him today? It is neither a new moon nor a Sabbath. So we get introduced to a new character, the total goober idiot husband that this lady has. Okay? But she, this woman who's awesome, she shows faith by having a plan to seek the will of God. She's seeking God's grace and help. She's like, hey, I'm going to go to church and talk to my pastor. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to believe that God is just gonna, uh, doesn't love me and God's going to break his promise to me. No, I'm going to go talk to someone who actually knows the Lord pretty well. I'm going to get some advice. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So she goes to her husband and says, hey, I'm going to go. But first she shows faith by saying, I'm going to seek the Lord. Then she shows faith that even though her husband is a total loser, she still asks him. She knew he was a total loser before this incident. Okay. But she still asks him, which shows great faith. Because she says, God, you gave me this husband. And you say 
that I should submit to him. And he's a total loser. So you either made a mistake or I can trust that you love me and you're powerful somehow. And that's the women with the, with the husbands, you got to have faith. You, you can't trust in them. You have to trust in the Lord. And she shows great faith here by saying, I'm going to ask him anyway, even though he's a total loser. She doesn't usurp authority by telling him what is going to happen. I'm going to go do this and I'm going to do that. No, she politely asks him. She sees her goober of a husband as a test of her faith, not a situation to get out of. Wow. The Bible tells us how to fix marriages. All marriages. Follow his word. Trust in the Lord. He'll He'll help you. He'll help you. He, this husband, either has no clue that his son has died or he's indifferent. Either way, he's so faithless and idiotic that he doesn't think there's any point in seeking God. So either he hasn't even asked about his son or he doesn't care. Both are just as bad, worse than the other. And so... I want you to see from this guy that faithlessness, like this guy doesn't believe that God should be sought right now. I'm going I'm to throw a temper tantrum right now because God took away my son. Faithlessness produces jerkiness. And that's biblical. You can quote me and say, faithlessness produces jerkiness. When you don't trust Jesus, you turn into a selfish jerk. Husbands and wives, both. When you don't trust the Lord, you start to try to dominate your husband, and you turn into a jerk. And he's like, she's a jerk. Husbands, when you don't trust in the Lord, you're not loving at all. You're not providing and caring for the needs of your wife, and you turn into a selfish jerk. Just so we all know. So watch what happens with this guy. So she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey. She saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So this husband didn't go with her. He didn't encourage her. He didn't even saddle the donkey for her. Selfishness is all bound up in this guy. She shows faith by persevering even though it's a tough journey. She says, I'm, I'm going to, don't slow the pace for me. So even if it's tough, even if it's hard along the way, I'm still going to trust the Lord. I'm going to carry on with my plan. So I want to ask you, has your journey gotten tough? Has your journey gotten tough? Keep going. Don't give up. That's a way to live by faith. And so she departed and went to the man of God on Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her far off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please now run to and meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And it well, is it well with your child? And here we see Gehazi again. This is another character. And we're going to learn that he's a loser too. He's a faker. He's an imitator. He is not a true servant of God. He has no faith. He's also a jerk. 
because faithlessness makes you jerky, right? He likes to be close to God's people, but he doesn't know the power of God himself. In fact, he's a lot like Judas. Judas hung out with Jesus, but he didn't know or believe. Elisha has a heart for the people he ministers to. He looked out there. He knows them. He remembers them. He has them on his heart. You see this in his questions. He's like, I want to know. How are you doing? I know you live with this loser of a husband. How is he doing? How is the kid doing that God gave you? And she answers. Look at this crazy answer she gives. It is well. This is the second time she said this. It is well. Now, I want you to know, this doesn't this, her saying it as well, it, it isn't her saying that she accepts this death of her child as the will of God, some super pious, oh, it is well with my soul, liar. That's not what that is. She's not saying it as well because she accepts this, but rather that she believes in faith that it will be corrected by the grace of God. That's what she means. It's not that he's resigned, she's resigned to the fact that God has failed her. No, she will never do that. That she just needs to give up. No, it's the opposite. She is looking past the clouds of her storm to the blessing that God will give her and has promised her in his word. She believes in the goodness and power of God. And when she says, it is well, it means I trust him. I believe he's going to come through for me. It as well means I trust you. Like as you wish means I love you to Wesley. <laughs> I love my church. <laughs> okay. Are you willing to say it as well when you are seeking God and when your heart is broken? Are you able to say it as well? When bad things are happening, only by faith can we see things that are unseen. In fact, Hebrews 11 started out by saying faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, when she came to the man of God on the hill, at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. A jerk face. But the man of God said, let her alone. For her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. This reminds me of the children that came to Jesus, and the disciples pushed them away, and Jesus did what? He rebuked his disciples, saying, these children are what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Because children know how to live by faith. It's natural for them. See, we grow out of it as we grow into our old, cranky, selfish, self-dependent selves where children just naturally know how to trust their parents. And when their parents don't give them food, they cry. And we're like, oh, they trust. The, even in their cries of disappointment, they still trust their parents. They're not going to anyone else for food. They only have one person to go to. Children are the perfect example of living by faith. And this woman has the same trust in God as the children who came to Jesus. She clings in hope and trust. She's not embarrassed of her need or her desire to see God work. Gehazi is a jerk, of course. Gehazi pushes her away from the one who can help her. 
Elisha, um, he now knows that God is behind all this. He recognizes what God is doing. God has hid it from me, but that's okay because we're still going to seek him out. So she said, did I ask for a son from my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? I did not ask for a son, she says. He was a gift of God. And so it doesn't make sense that God would give a gift and then take it away forever. I trust in the character of God, and I don't believe this lines up with the character of God that he would be a liar, right? And Elisha, he agrees with her. Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. And if you meet anyone, don't even greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And this is an interesting part of scripture. You've got to try to figure out what is Elisha doing. I think Elisha is testing Gehazi to see if God has empowered him for ministry. I think Elisha pretty much recognizes that Gehazi's a jerk and an idiot. He just pushed away a woman who was seeking God. So Elisha... I think, is testing Gehazi, giving him an opportunity to say, are you going to trust in God's word and God's power? And I bet you can guess what the outcome of Gehazi's journey is going to be. What do you think? Success or failure? Failure. Why? Because he's a jerk. And he doesn't believe. He doesn't trust. And we're going to see later scriptures, Gehazi's total lack of faith later. And at the end of this chapter, we're going to see it. But we're seeing this whole life that Gehazi's building. Of, I do not believe that God is here to help me or help you or help anybody. I'm just here for the free food. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. So this woman, this great woman, doesn't really trust Gehazi. And it appears that Elisha doesn't really either, so they both go. But it, this shows that her faith is in the living God. She trusts God, and she trusts God's servant. Hey, you're giving me God's word. I'm going to trust what he says. Her commitment is to remain, it says, to abide. What is the word she used? As your soul lives, as your soul lives I will not leave you. Her commitment is an abiding It has to do with abiding. What did we study last week? In John 15, Jesus said, abide in me. That's your side of the equation. My side is doing all the miracles and the power and the grace and the Holy Spirit stuff. You just abide. And look what her statement here. So to live by faith, this woman teaches us again, to live by faith is to abide, abide, to remain. It's not about you doing fancy things. It's not about you doing heroic things. It's about you remaining and abiding in the word of God and in prayer, connecting with Jesus, coming to church and abiding with his people. It's all the same. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and he laid the staff on the face of the child, probably like this. That's what I think he did. Uh, just He took the staff, laid it on, see, told you. That's what I think he did. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him, and he told him, saying, The child is not awakened. So the failure of Gehazi is so sad. He, he has no miracle-working power because he has no faith. He doesn't pray. He has a complete lack of confidence in the power of the Lord. And like I said, we're going to see this played out over the next few chapters. 
When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, and he shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Hey, he prays, right? That's good. And then he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child. Totally weird, right? I don't understand. But what Elisha does have is faith and love. Elisha has faith, but he also has love. Why does he do this stuff with laying on him and putting himself like in the exact same position? It's called loving identification. He's identifying with this boy, and he is loving him. Intercession, when you're interceding for someone, when you want to be Elisha and serve the Lord and, and bring people back to life and pray for them through your prayers that they would come to life, and you want to be used as an evangelist, you need to love them. Identifying love. Intercession demands that we take the needs of others and make them our own. That's what he's doing here. We take them into our heart and we spread them out before the Lord. We're praying for someone unsaved, man. We take that need. We feel their desperation. We feel their lostness. We feel, we put, take it into our hearts and then we spread it out before the Lord. And then the flesh of the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself on him. So Elisha, he gets this little sign of hope, but no answer yet. So what does he do? He goes back again. He goes back and, and prays again for him. Just like in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He doesn't give up with one little prayer. Oh, God didn't answer me. I don't believe anymore. How many times do we give up? Because God said, wait, even if God gives us a little bit of a sign of hope, a little warmth in the skin, a little warmth in the heart of the person we're praying for, we're like, oh, this is taking too long. Then check this out. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. About a week ago, I, had, I sneezed five times. And it was about the craziest experience of my life. I don't know if you've ever sneezed five times in a row, but you have no more self-control after like the third one. You're on the floor, you're dying, you're like, ah, you! and I sneeze really forcefully, right? I have very loud sneezes, and my lips jangle together, so it's like, when it, and I, so sneezing seven times, this is a major sign of life, and, and I always feel great after I sneeze. Don't you guys feel good after you sneeze? Your head's all clear and like, oh, man, I'm ready to go and get something. I think maybe the Lord is teaching us something there. I don't know what, though. <laughs> but I do know that God is so willing to answer the prayer of faith. And even though Elisha and this woman had no definite promise, they, had, they still had the character of God that they were clinging to and holding on to. And that's what they had faith in, the character of God. See, God gave this gift, unasked for, so he would not take it away and leave this woman worse than she was before the gift. That's what they're, they're, they're agreeing on. And that was enough for them to put their faith in, in God's character. It's easier to pray when we have a specific promise, but it's a higher thing to lay hold of God himself. 
because you know him deeply. See, it's great to pray the promises of the Lord. But when you, when you can just say, I know the Lord, and I've been seeking and I've been spending time with him, that's an even higher place of prayer. How do we know God's character? Like these people here? Well, it's in the word, and it's in the words and the life of Jesus. That's where we learn his character. And what would Jesus do if he were here with me right now? That's the question we can ask. Ask God for that. That's his character. Ask God for it. Depend on it. Trust in it. Keep asking till you see it. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he had no promise that God would forgive him of his murder, killing Uriah, or his adultery. Yet he prayed. Psalm 51 A psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba, David prayed this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. That's a character trait, right? According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. He had no specific promise, but he knew God. He knew the character of God, and he depended on God's character, and he was right to do so. James chapter 1, verse 6. James says, But let, us, let him ask in faith and with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Elisha prayed for this little kid without doubting. He knew God's character. And he prayed. And when it didn't happen right away, he didn't doubt. He just prayed again. And he prayed again. And he prayed again until the Lord answered him. So, and they called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. And she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. And then she picked up her son and went out. The joy of God's miracle and the miracle of God's grace produces praise and humility. It's so cool. She bowed down. She praised God. She bowed down. She humbled herself before the Lord. So what do we learn from all this? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Trust in self leads to despair. If you are depressed, if you struggle with despair, its root cause is always trust in self. Whereas trust in God leads to hope. It plants seeds of hope. 
that will not be denied, like those roots that break through anything in their way, this seed of hope grows, whereas the circumstances don't even allow it. When you trust God, you will have this unbreaking foundation of hope inside you. I believe that God loves me, and I believe that he's powerful. And no matter what my circumstances tell me the opposite, I'm not going to believe them. I'm going to believe God and his character. Trials teach us. Up here, he's, Paul said, uh, we had these, these um, troubles. We were burdened beyond me- measure. The trouble that came to us, I, I want you to know and understand that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so we despaired even of life. We had the death sentence in ourselves so that uh, they were teaching us something. What were they teaching? That we should not trust in ourselves. It's a trust thing. Trials teach us. They train us. They test us. And we are required to trust in God. And we do trust in God. And so God will bring us trials so that your trust in God can be seen by the people around you. We are required to trust that God can and that God will bring to life things that were dead. And Paul says that right here. He says we're called, we, are, we are required to trust in God who raises the dead. Who's the dead things he was talking about? Himself. His own life, his own heart was dead. And he had to trust in the Lord to bring life to that. And then the situations around him, they were full of deadness. There was no hope in the situations around him. He had great trials. He had great troubles. And yet he had to trust and he did trust in the God who raises the dead. Our story today has so much application for our lives today. What happened with Elisha and this woman? This woman teaches us how to trust that God raises the dead. And it's not crazy to think that God raises the dead. So what is the dead in your life? I don't know. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a son or, or a daughter that's gone astray. And, you, and it's like they're dead. And we need to call out to the Lord and believe that he is powerful enough to raise that from the dead. In your own heart, if there's a struggle and you're like, I'm, I'm so done with this, I'm just, it's like it's dead to me. I'm not going to struggle with it anymore. I'm just done. God says, call on me. Trust me. Call on me again and again and again and I will answer you because I love you and I'm powerful. That's what it teaches us today. I have a whole other page of notes I didn't know about. Well, we're going to wrap it up there anyway. Thanks, guys. Uh, We're going to sing a song. So if you guys would join me and stand with me.